Welcome to Integrated Brain Health. My name is Dr. Robert Coben. I'm a clinical neuropsychologist and am board certified in QEG technology and neuromodulation. This is our Neuroscience Rounds podcast. You will get a glimpse into our training programs where we talk about neuroscience, technology, neurofeedback, neuropsychology, and other related matters. We hope this helps with your knowledge base and ability to intervene and help patients successfully. On to the podcast. Hello and welcome to Neuroscience Rounds. I'm Dr. Christy Snyder Calling. I'm a postdoctoral fellow here at Integrated Neuroscience Services. This series serves as an introduction into neuroanatomy. This week we will be talking about the somatosensory system. But first I want to start with the classic question of if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one around to hear it, does it make a sound? What do y'all think? And that's correct. It actually does not make a sound. When it hits the ground, it causes vibrations. And these vibrations need a brain to transform it into a sound. So things like colors, tones, smells, and taste aren't actually real. They don't exist in the universe um, outside of a brain. They are mental constructs. They're how your brain takes in information from the environment and uh, transforms it into your existence of the world, your experience of the world. So this starts out with sensation. Sensation is receiving information from your environment. And this is done first through the process of transduction. Transduction is when a stimulus is picked up by a receptor and then it is converted into electrochemical energy. So neural impulses, action potentials. Um, Then it is relayed to the central nervous system through projection neurons. So basically, for example, this morning, if you made coffee, you turned on your coffee maker, there's light waves so you can see the coffee, there's chemical coming from the coffee so you can smell it, it probably had a ding, so there's vibrations. Those hit a sensory receptor, so it could be um, you know, on your retina, um, it could be the chemical receptors in your nose, um, the ding that it was ready could hit your eardrum, and then that causes a, a, the receptor to turn it into a neural impulse. And then it gets communicated to your brain by a process called neuronal encoding. So neuronal encoding is essentially just a series of action potentials or neurons that are firing. And it conveys information about the modality. So is it vision, hearing, taste, or smell? And then it has information about the intensity of the stimulus, its duration, and its location. And that is communicated to the brain, like I said, through a series of action potentials. So the information can be communicated within a single neuron, either by the mean firing rate or by its latency, which is the time between firings. Um, it can also be communicated through a group of neurons. So it's the number of neurons that are activated um, or the distribution of neurons that are activated. So um, essentially, if it's more intense, then more neurons are activated and they fire more quickly. So that's the difference between a very loud sound and a very quiet sound. So when I say sensation, I just mean when the uh, action potential reaches the brain. Perception happens later on in processing, and that's when you can uh, make sense of the stimulus. This is an example of an event-related potential, or an ERP. Basically, ERPs are just a brain response of summed response from thousands of cells. 
um, that occur as a result of a sensory cognitive or motor event. So this is an auditory ERP. So there's a sound, this is time. And so then you can see here that it hits the cochlear nerve about two milliseconds into it, and then hits the brainstem about three milliseconds, and then it moves on to the thalamus in about you know, 10, 15 milliseconds. And so this is not talking about sensation, it's just hitting the primary parts of uh, the brain that's just taking in the sound. Perception happens much later. But today is not about audition. I'm sure we're going to get there later on in the series. Today is about the somatosensory system. Um, there are four somatosensory modalities. First one is proprioception. So this is the sense of body movement and position. It's mechanical displacement of the muscles and joints. Um, it's a fairly complicated sense. It uh, requires information from a lot of different um, places. So you have vestibular organs in your inner ear and that can tell you about uh, rotation and acceleration uh, in your position. So, so when you spin around really fast and then you stop and you wobble, it's because your inner ear is sending uh, conflicting information to your brain about your uh, body's position in space. Um, it also takes some visual information to see kind of where you are so you can orient to it. And then it has uh, stress receptors and the muscles and joints. It kind of feels if your muscles are contracted or not, and that can tell you your body how you are positioned in space. Any questions about the proprioception? Proprioception? No? Okay. A second one is thermal or temperature. So there are heat sensitive receptors in your skin that respond to a stimuli that are 32 to 45 degrees centigrade, which is about 90 to 113 degrees Fahrenheit. And they also have cold receptors. So they respond to stimuli that are one to 20 degrees centigrade less than normal skin temperature, which is about 93 degrees Fahrenheit. There are also pain uh, receptors. So this is the fourth somatosensory um, modality. We will probably talk more about pain in a separate session, uh, but just to kind of briefly talk about it here, um, pain is tissue damaging stimuli. Uh, they are received by nociceptors, which comes from the Latin nocere, which means to injure. And there are three basic kinds. Mechanical, the kind of deals with sharp objects like our cactus here. Um, thermal, which is above 45 degrees centigrade or above 113 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, they're polymodal, so these respond to a number of different stimuli. So it can be mechanical, heat, and chemical. But I want to spend most of our time today talking about the fourth somatosensory um, modality, and that is touch. So this is made the mechanical stimulation of your body's surface. Any questions so far? No? Okay. There are four main touch receptors in the skin. Merkel, Mesner, Ruffini, and Piscinian. So you have Merkel and Mesner that are up here and they're kind of shallow in the superficial part of the skin. They have a very um, fine resolution. So they have receptive fields of about two to four millimeters. And then lower, deeper in the skin, you have Ruffini and Pessinian corpuscles. So they're, like I said, they're deeper and they have a larger uh, reception area, so they have more coarse resolution. So you have Mesner and Pessinian that are called rapidly adapting receptors. Basically, they respond to the onset and the offset of a stimulation, of a stimulus. Whereas Merkel and um, yeah, Merkel and Ruffini are slowly adapting, so they respond to sustained pressure or a sustained stimulus. 
each kind of uh, receptor has its necessary stimuli that it will respond to. So you have Merkel, which responds to uh, kind of a little bit of pressure you had to get position, shape, and edges of an item. You have Mesner that responds, it's the most sensitive, so it responds to very light uh, indentation, so a feather. Ruffini um, responds to skin stretching and movement, finger position, and object slippage, so this is, plays a role in proprioception as well. Then you have Piscinian. Um, that again are deeper on in the surface, skin surface, and they re re um, respond to vibration and texture. Any questions about any of that? Okay. So once it is received by one of these four uh, receptor types, how does it get to the brain? <clears throat> Excuse me. There are two main um, information pathways. Um, one is the dorsal column medial meniscus pathway, and the other one is the anterolateral pathway. So again, we talked last week about direction terminology. So in the spinal cord, dorsal is towards the back, ventral is towards the front. Um, and the brain dorsal is up, ventral is down. Um, some other terms to keep in mind is anterior is towards the front, posterior is towards the back, medial is towards the inside, and lateral is towards the outside. Okay, so first I wanna talk about the dorsal column medial meniscus pathway. So this is the pathway that relays information about tactile sensation to the brain. So this is touch, vibration, proprioception. So it relays um, information to the brain through a series of relay nuclei. And we will step through those. So first it starts with the peripheral axons. So it comes from the receptors that we just talked about. And then it goes to the dorsal root ganglion here. So it goes to the back. And then it goes to the dorsal column of the spinal cord. So just to give you a little aside here, when you're talking about the spinal cord, there's um, afferent fibers. We talked about that last week too. Afferent means to the brain. So in the back part of the spine, you have fibers that bring sensory information to the brain. And on the ventral, so towards the stomach side of the spinal cord, you have lots of efferent fibers. E means away from the brain. So it's bringing uh, motor responses down from the brain. Okay. So now we're working up our way towards the second order neurons in the dorsal column. And then it crosses over here in the medulla to the other side of the brain. So as you know, one side of your brain controls the other side of the body. And for uh, tactile information, that crossover happens in the medulla, so up in the brainstem. And it goes to the brainstem. And then it goes through the thalamus. So last week we also talked about the thalamus being one of the main relay nuclei of the brain. So all sensory information, vision, uh, touch goes through the thalamus before it goes to where it goes in the brain, except for smell. Um, for the somatosensory information, it, we're using the ventral posterior uh, part of the uh, thalamus. So it's the bottom and back and both the medial and the lateral portions of the thalamus. Then it goes up to the primary somatosensory cortex and the postcentral gyrus, uh, the parietal lobe. We'll talk more about that in a second. So this is your pathway for uh, most tactile information. The other pathway is the anterolateral pathway, and this relays information about pain and temperature. So it goes up through the dorsal horn of the uh, spine as well, but then it goes ahead and it crosses over in the spine, and then it goes up to the reticular formation of the pons and the medulla. So as we talked last week, the reticular formation has to do with arousal states, so sleep and awake. And the pons and the medulla are part of the, uh, the autonomic system. 
that regulates involuntary functions like blood pressure. So this is like if you stub your toe or you're in a lot of pain, it will definitely affect your blood pressure. And that's because it hits the pons and medulla before it goes up to the thalamus and then up to the uh, somatosensory cortex. So just to kind of review, you have the dorsal column medullonysis pathway that deals with tactile information. It crosses over in the medulla up higher in the brain. Oh, sorry. And then you have the anterior lateral pathway that deals with pain and it crosses over in the spine. Um, so it crosses over sooner, so you get information to the brain faster, which is important for pain. You need to respond to that pretty quickly. So, um, like I said, for the tactile information, it comes up through one side of the spine and it crosses over in the medulla, and then it goes up through the thalamus, and then it hits the somatosensory cortex. Where am I talking about? Here. So, a little bit more terminology for you. A sulcus, uh, which is singular for sulci, which is a plural, is the valley. So your brain is, has wavy, um, and so the sulcus is the valley part. This is the central sulcus that separates the frontal lobe from the parietal lobe. And gyrus is uh, singular, gyri is plural, and those are the hills. So the post-central uh, gyrus is here, and that's where the primary somatosensory cortex is. And it occupies Brodmann's areas one, two, and three. Brodmann's areas are regions of the brain that are distinguishable based on their cellular uh, composition. So they have physical differences in the kinds of cells that make up those areas. And those physical differences correspond to functional differences, such that they process either different kinds of information or the same kind of information differently. So as you see in this picture here, they have different kinds of dots and dashes, and that corresponds to different um, cellular makeups of those different regions. Um, so here you have the primary somatosensory, and there is one, two, and three, and then you go to five and seven, which gets more complicated processing. Um, which brings us back again to what I uh, mentioned last week, is a primary uh, principle of how the brain processes information is hierarchical. It goes from very basic processing to very complex processing. So for example, for vision, you have the primary visual cortex here, and that uh, processes very basic information. So is there a line in a given receptive field? And then it moves on to the secondary um, visual uh, cortex, which is sometimes called the association. So you kind of have to see what you're talking about here, but here we'll call it the secondary. And it has more elaborate, elaborate processing. So if there's two receptive fields and there's a line in both of them, and you kind of take that, is, does that form a shape? So is the line, does it form a circle? And then you go to um, heteromodal areas of the brain, and that gives you more integrated processing. So um, how do you feel about the ball? Do you have memories about the ball? So that happens in these heteromodal, heteromodal areas here. So that's for vision. We'll get to that next week. Again, today we're focusing on the somatosensory uh, system. So for that, we start here in the primary, and then we move on to secondary, and then the parietal, occipital, temporal association area. So it gets very basic to more complex as we go. Um, so to talk about the semi-sensory broadman areas, you have the initial processing in areas 3A and 3B. So 3A has muscle stretch receptors, so that kind of deals with some proprioception, um, also some edge and position information. And then you have 3B, which deals with um, size and shape of what you're feeling. And that projects to areas one and two here, and that has more, um, a little more complex processing 
great deal of texture, motion, direction, and orientation of what you're feeling. And then that moves on to areas five and seven, which has more integrative information. <clears throat> so again, as you move from the primary to the heteromodal areas, you have more complex and nuanced processing. Um, and then you get um, larger receptive fields. So as you have multiple cells, they kind of converge onto a smaller number of cells. And as it does that, you get more integration um, and kind of, like I said, more nuanced um, processing of the stimulus. Any questions about any of that? Okay. So uh, last week I also introduced the concept of somatotopic map, and that is the projection of the body surface onto the cortex. So I just want to talk, talk a little bit more about that today. So this was discovered in the 1930s um, by a guy named Wade Marshall who did experiments on cats and monkeys. Essentially he touched a part of their body surface and then you notice that that produced an evoked potential in a certain part of the cortex. An evoked potential is simply just the summed uh, signals of thousands of cells um, in the cortex. So you touch part of the skin and then a part of the cortex would respond to that. A little bit later, um, a guy named Wilder Penfield did the opposite experiment where he had patients with epilepsy and he would stimulate a part of the cortex and actually felt that stimulation uh, they perceived it as being in the corresponding receptive field on the skin. So it goes both ways. And so how they started um, establishing this. So as you notice, um, there are the regions of cortex that correspond to your body doesn't look like your actual body. So there's more cortex devoted to the hands, lips, and the tongue. And that has to do with the density of the receptors. So that brings us to the two-point threshold which is the minimum distance at which two points are perceived as two points. So it measures the distance between two receptive fields. So for example, um, your fingertips have about 2,500 receptors per square centimeter. So they again have a receptive field of three to four millimeters. So if you have two very small pins and they're say two millimeters apart, you will perceive that as a single point. If they're five millimeters apart, you will perceive that as two points. Um, however, on your trunk and your back, uh, the receptive fields are hundreds of times larger. So the two points have to be much further apart before you would perceive them as two separate points. And that is why your brain thinks you'd look essentially kind of like this, um, where there's, your hands have more um, cortex devoted to them because they have more receptive fields that are um, denser. Um, there's not just one sensory homunculus though, there are actually four. Um, there's one in area 3A, one in 3B, one in area 1, and one in area 2. Um, and all these areas work together so that you can uh, have um, a very uh, complex feeling of touch. And you can enjoy the joys of holding a puppy. Um, okay, so that is your very brief introduction into the somatosensory cortex. Um, sorry, system. Well, thank you so much for your time, and like I said, next week we'll be uh, going over the visual system. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Feel free to subscribe to the Neuroscience Rounds podcast for future episodes. You might also enjoy our sister podcast, Let's Head On, with myself and Dr. Ann Stevens, where we discuss the interaction between neuroscience, neuropsychology, 
and physical and mental well-being. Please feel free to reach out to us at integratebrainhealth.com.